Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> Kia ora everybody, I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. In this episode, I talk with Kendall. Now, a lot of you probably know Kendall better as Quad Mum Plus One on Instagram and probably Facebook as well. Kendall and her family are very popular because they had quads, so this is a super interesting episode, and she also talks about the birth of her first baby, Brooklyn. Enjoy. Hey, Kendall. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. That's right, and thanks for having me. No problem. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and your family? Well, obviously, my name's Kendall. I'm 27. My husband, Josh, is also 27. We have a four-year-old son, Brooklyn. He just turned four and six-month-old quadruplets. There's Quinn, Indy, Hudson, and Molly. And we live in Timaru, the South Island. Awesome. Very busy little household that you've got there. Busy is an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always go, go, go. Um, yeah, I, I, I can only imagine from what I see <laughs> on your Instagram stories, but they've been very cute. Yes, they definitely make up for it. Um, And what was the journey like to pregnancy for you the first time around, so with Brooklyn? Well, Brooklyn, we I've never made it any secret that Brooklyn was a surprise. I was told as a teenager that I would have like a 4 to 6% chance of ever having children because I had um, PCOS and endometriosis. And my main thing working against me was that I just barely ovulated. And obviously, you need to ovulate to have a child. (laughs) And at that point, it didn't really affect me. I knew I always wanted to be a mum, but it didn't affect me as much because, you know, I wasn't trying at that stage. So I was, yeah, going about life. And then all of a sudden, just one day, I just started to feel sick. And I said to Josh, you know, I'm going to give myself a week to get better before I go to the doctor. And I went to the doctor and, you know, I told him how I was feeling, what was happening. And he said, kind of sounds like you're pregnant. And I was like, no, 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 this can't be. They said I can't have children. I wasn't trying to have children. It's not going to, I'm just not pregnant. And I took the test and sure enough, I was pregnant and <laughs> I was in utter disbelief and shock. I thought for about the first half hour, I cried and I'm not going to lie. It wasn't a good cry. I just think I was, I just wasn't expecting it. So I was so upset. Yeah. And, um, yeah. but yeah, once that initial shock passed by that nighttime, we were really excited. Like I had to stop myself from buying stuff online. I think I was only about, I was about five or six weeks when I found out with Brooklyn. Yeah. And did you have many other pregnancy symptoms after that? So you obviously felt a bit nauseous and unwell initially. Yeah. So like all the classic things, you know, sore boobs, nauseous, off food. And then I think it was the day after the hospital. That's when I started throwing up. And I think it took a few days before I was bedridden and ended up in hospital for three weeks with severe HG. And um, I was so sick. I, like I said, there was three weeks I couldn't even get out of bed. I was in hospital. I had to take, obviously, time off work. And I, just anyone who's ever experienced, just know how horrible it can be. You just, you can't do anything. It it was really hard at the start as well because you want to be happy that you're pregnant, but it completely takes away the joy because you're just so sick, you know, really sick. And once the medication was on board, it became, you know, sort of manageable. But I had it right up until I had Brooklyn which was 41, almost 42 weeks. Oh, you poor thing. Yeah. (laughs) It was not fun. Yeah, yeah. And so did you go to any antenatal classes or anything like that before you went into labor? Yes. I was real into anything. I was, you know, looking everything all up in line, what to do, what to eat. (laughs) 
and yeah, went to the classes, antenatal classes where we lived, which, you know, were great. Yeah. Gave you some sort of insight of what was going to happen, how to do things. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. And did you plan to birth at the Timaru Hospital? No, we actually lived in Christchurch at the time. So I planned, I actually planned, I'm not sure if they can still do it now, but I planned to give birth in St. George's Hospital. So all going well. I was just going to go there, have the baby, and then stay there for my after stay, and then that was that. But that didn't happen. My, I don't, don't think anything happened to our birth plan. So I got to 41 weeks in like five days, and then I had absolutely no nothing. I didn't have my show. I didn't drop. I just no breaks and hicks, nothing. So I finally got an induced induction date of I've been 41, six days, and that night – I went into labor spontaneously. So I, because I'd gone so far, I was so over it. I was in January, so I was in the heat of summer. I wanted the baby out weeks ago. And um, when I finally, yeah. you know, had movement, I was thinking I was having contractions. I didn't think it was contractions. I was trying to like not get a toe ahead of myself. So I was texting all my friends who have had babies before, like, am I in labor? Is this what I'm meant to be doing sort of thing? And it just kind of slowly progressed over the night. It wasn't, I, that started about five o'clock that night. And about nine o'clock, I realized I was having regular contractions every, I think it was like seven minutes. And yeah. I called my midwife and she's like, you know, just keep going. Tell me when it gets to like every minute, I think every three minutes or something. And bang on midnight, my waters broke in bed. And so I called my midwife and she came round. But she said I was only dilated a centimetre and because I still wasn't under three minutes contractions or and uh, I wasn't over five centimetres, she said stay at home until, you know, things really started happening. Yeah. But it got to about 5 a.m. and I was screaming like I was almost, you know, I was throwing up, had diarrhea, I had the works, it was terrible and I was in so much pain. It was I just can't even describe it. Obviously, everyone that goes in labor is in pain, but it was just so bad. And I had told my labor, you know, I mean, sorry, my midwife that, you know, I really want to go to the hospital. I need pain relief. I can't. I haven't slept in over 24 hours. This is not going to work. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, she just, she didn't even really check me or do anything. She said, you know, no, stay at home. I'm not going to let you go to the hospital until you're five centimeters. And I think when a little bit of time passed, and I said to my husband, you're like, we have to go to hospital. I'm, I can't do it. So without yeah. telling the midwife, we actually went to hospital by ourselves. And we got there. And as soon as we got there, they um put the monitors on me. And because by, by this time, the contractions were every minute. And, you know, I can't remember lasting how long. But like I said, the midwife said I couldn't go to hospital until I was over five centimeters, but still I was only one and a half. And yeah. so I went to the hospital, they put the monitors on me, and as soon as they put the monitors on, they said, you're going in for emergency C-section because Brooklyn's heart rate keeps stopping. Oh. So, yeah, it was crazy. We got there, and once they put the monitors on, we were in for the C-section. It was just so fast. It was crazy. It was such a whirlwind. We didn't even really have time to think about it sort of thing. And then before we yeah. knew it, we were all prepped before he came out that he said, you know, he's not going to be well when he's born, but he's going to go straight to NICU. You won't be able to see him. You'll be able to see him later on that day after recovery. But when he did come out, fortunately, he was fine. He was 10 on the test that they do. And he was huge, though. <laughs> huge. <laughs> was um, he? Once he came out, everything was fine, which is obviously a huge relief yeah. wow. after being told that he was going to go straight to NICU and we wouldn't be able to see him sort of thing. Yeah. And so lucky that you went to the hospital and sort of didn't listen to the midwife. I know. I know. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because you want to listen to the midwife and trust what your midwife sees and that sort of thing. But yeah, I am obviously stoked that we went to the hospital. I don't know what would have happened if we listened to her. Yeah. And obviously, yeah. I think and that was just my midwife. Most midwives are just fine and do their, you know, yeah, of good course. midwives anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so obviously, um, Brooklyn was well enough. So did you know that you were having a boy before you got to hold him or was it a surprise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we found out the, like the day they would lead us at 19 weeks. I was, <laughs> I wanted to know. Yeah. Awesome. And so once you were in, I guess your birthing room or your recovery, what was that like for you? Did Brooklyn let John okay? How were you feeling after such a major surgery? Um, after C-section, like I was always said, I didn't want to have a C-section. I was terrified of the thought of having, you know, 
first of all, stomach surgery and major surgery, but also being awake. I'm sure lots of people feel that way. But um, yeah. when yeah. having it, it was actually fine. There was no issues. I didn't even know they had cut into me when they said they brought Brooklyn out and I heard a baby crying. I was like, what is that? I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> but um, the recovery, the after section, it wasn't too bad at all. I was obviously, it didn't feel great, but that part of it was fine. Brooklyn, he never, ever latched. Um, at the time, I had very large breasts. And it, they said that could have affected it because he just couldn't match. Yeah. And yeah. so we were, but they were still very persistent in him latching, like, which obviously you want to be persistent. You want to try and get him doing but unfortunately he never did. So he had to get, to get topped up with bottles. Yeah. And, um, and then, I mean, there was no major issues or anything. We were, we are in Christchurch, you stay, if you have a C-section, you stay in the hospital for two days and then you go out to another centre for two days and then you're off home. So we kind of pretty much sailed through that, except we were persistent with trying to breastfeed, but he just ultimately started bottle feeding. Yeah, awesome. And what about when you got home? What was that experience like, adjusting to life with a newborn? and <laughs> I always physically say Physically and emotionally. Yeah. I always say to people, I don't think anything can ever prepare you for having your first child, you can read as many books you want or yeah. watch as many programs you want, but unless you're doing it, it's it's sort of crazy, especially that first week. You're so, so sleep-derived. You're still working out yeah. what you're doing and how to do it and adjust to having this tiny baby that you basically do everything for. You can't just go casually do anything you want to do anymore. So that first yeah. week's always huge, and it really was. But... Um, but, we, you know, then again, you loved it. It's your child and you love him. It was amazing. But yeah. unfortunately, it got to about when Brooklyn was seven. So I got home, I think it was like he was four days old. And when he was seven days old, I woke up in the morning and I just I was feeling so sick and I just put it down to being so tired. So I went, Josh said, go back to bed. So I did. And um, I woke up and I just immediately started throwing up. And I thought I must have had a stomach bug. So mm. I tried to sleep it off. But... Um, I knew I started to have fevers, so I just took my temperature and it was like 40 degrees and I was like, oh my goodness, this isn't good. So I called my midwife and she said, oh, it must be mastitis because I did have quite, you know, the common symptoms of mastitis and she got me antibiotics Yeah, for that. But it got to a point where I started becoming delirious and my temperature, I think, reached 41 and just was throwing up. It just wasn't good. So I ended up going to hospital again and... When I got there, they said that my body was starting to shut down, my organs were going, and basically I was dying from, they did all the tests from toxic shock syndrome, which they mm. found was from the center left inside from the C-section. Ah, okay. And what did they have to do to try and help you? Well, at the time I was so weak because they said to my husband, you know, go, go home, sort your son out, you need to come be with your wife because she's not going to make it through the night. And oh my gosh, because they said that I was so far gone, they couldn't do anything. And then it got to a point when I, I was just too weak for surgery or anything. But what they did was just start full blast antibiotics. Yeah. Which obviously ended up working after a few weeks. Yeah. But yeah wow, it's such what a crazy time experience. I, yeah. It really was. But um, I think the thing that gets me the most, I always talk about it, is that the hospital thought I was dying and Brooklyn was eight days old by that point and I was so sick they weren't going to let me say goodbye to him because oh. they said, yeah, I know I always think about it. It makes me so sad to think that um, they thought I was going and I wasn't allowed to bring hospital, no one was allowed to bring Brooklyn into hospital to say goodbye to me. <laughs> it's a long time ago now and obviously everything yeah. worked out. Yeah. And so how long did you end up in the hospital for then at that stage? I was in there for a couple of weeks. So I started the antibiotics and they initially started to work, but then I think my body started fighting it again. So they had to start change it. And I was in, yeah, it was a couple of weeks all up. Sorry, I can't remember. Still just that whole period was a bit of a blur for me. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah, yeah. It also took a lot of recovery just to, because it had such a big infection in my uterus. There's a lot of recovery to get over it all. Yeah. And so once you were able to go home, how did you find that period of readjustment? And obviously you're probably still exhausted and, and recovering yeah. from a sickness, but you still have a little baby. 
yeah, like I said, it's still like all a bit of a blur. Like I know it was hard, but obviously we did it. We had so much family, yeah. friends, support. We're so lucky. We've always been lucky like that. I just mean it wasn't easy, but we obviously got on and did it. We didn't have a choice, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so were you, or do you want to take us through sort of try, planning or trying to plan for having another baby? Yeah, so call us crazy, but Josh and I, after, you know, after all that happened, uh, being sick after Brooklyn, we... Well, you know, we loved Brooklyn so much. We wanted to have kids straight away. We, I think we started trying like a couple months old. The first year flew by, you know, we had a a baby than a toddler. So it didn't really affect us that much that we hadn't fallen pregnant yet. So it got first year. And then as the start of the second year went by, that's when it really started to, you know, we were kind of thinking if we got so, we we obviously weren't trying for Brooklyn, but we managed to get Brooklyn pregnant with Brooklyn why is it not happening now so it started to take like quite a toll on us and by the end of that second year I said to Josh if I haven't gotten pregnant by the time he turns two I'm going to go back to work and so Brooklyn turned two in that same week you know where it was I was so upset (laughs) we were both upset that it still hadn't happened and anyone who's gone through that understands just like the toll it takes on you you know even physically emotionally your relationships life just everything it was hard. Yeah. Um, at the end of that week after Brooklyn turning two, I don't know why. I just, just had this random feeling. I had no symptoms whatsoever. I was just like, I have to take a pregnancy test. And I was pregnant. So I was so happy. Obviously, we were so excited. There was a lot of happy tears to finally be pregnant after two years. But um, unfortunately, that didn't last long. It was like, I still don't remember either, but I was a only pregnant for a few weeks before I miscarried that baby. And that was quite traumatic itself because I bleed quite a lot and I needed a DNC, but I couldn't have it because my nan had died the same day. And if I had had it, I couldn't fly up to North Island to beat her funeral. It was, it wasn't good. It's like this devil whammy. Yeah, God, what a tough time for you. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, I know. So, um, yeah, I mean, all that passed. And it got to another two and a half years and it really affected me. I was so down. I couldn't, I was, I wasn't jealous of other people getting pregnant, but I was, it still wasn't easy to hear that. Yeah. Other people were just having babies all around me. It was really hard. But um, that's when I think someone has suggested, why don't you go try and get help? But I was always so in denial because I had had Brooklyn all by myself. Why would I need someone else's help? Yeah. But I ended up doing it, and um, this was the end of 2017, I can't think. I think yeah. that's right. So I saw him, and he said, yeah, you got a lot of issues working against you, you know, PCOS again, endometriosis. I had so much damage done from the scarring from the placenta leaf behind that they said, no, you know, mm, why yeah. don't you have a miscarriage? That was, it was never going to work. So he said, I'm going to give you clomiphene to try, which is a drug to help you ovulate. And they booked me in for a DNC. They were going to clean up all that was happening, remove all the scar tissue. Your several other procedures they were going to do, like, you know, dye tests and things. Before they looked into other options, they were just, I was just going to do yeah. the clomiphene until the surgery was booked in. So my surgery was booked in for, I think it was like the 1st of March last year, a couple of days before I had a call saying I just had a bit of abnormal blood tests so as soon as I got that call I was like I'm pregnant I know I've got to be pregnant and so I ran home got the test and I was pregnant again I was so excited just you know after everything I was so happy but um like I said I was so happy but I was so scared about what was going to happen because I did obviously didn't want to miscarry again Josh came home and I told him and he was the same as me he was so excited but we didn't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. So those next few weeks were hard. I didn't even want to move. Yeah. It was really hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was the pregnancy confirmed by the clinic or the doctor that you were working with or how did that work? Yeah. So I was, he said, because I would have been really early at the time. I think it was like, cause I tested earlier cause I was meant to be doing all these blood tests for clomiphene, all these tests. Yeah, I had yeah. set dates and I was meant to do them, but I had done it a lot earlier. He said, you know, get to the state first and then we'll, have a look at it, but it, I think I started bleeding like a week later. Yeah. So we went and had this scan, and it showed one healthy baby, 
in the right spot doing all the right things. It was such a relief. You know, you could see the heartbeat, everything. So yeah. I was treated for a threatened miscarriage and I went on medication to um, help. And yeah, I still carried on. It would have been only a couple more days before I ended back up in hospital with HD again because I was so <laughs> sick. Oh, wow. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. we didn't know it because with Brooklyn, you know, I was really, really sick. And they say sometimes that's such a common thing for multiples. But because I had it with Brooklyn, they said to me, they keep saying, was this as bad as well when you had Brooklyn? I said, no, nah, this is so much worse. And they said, oh, because you've had it with Brooklyn, we're not going to scan you because, you know, otherwise we will because we would have thought you were having multiples. Yeah. So, yeah, I think another two weeks would have gone by and I was still bedridden in and out of hospital, just trying to get, just function, really. It was really hard because, you yeah. know, I couldn't even take care of Brooklyn. Josh had to take time off work. I know we were waiting around in hospital one day for my obstetrician to come and see me. And they said, oh, we'll just give you a scan just for something, you know, fun to do to pass the time. And as soon yeah. as I know, I was throwing up as they were doing the scan. And as soon as the lady put the scan on my stomach, she kind of gasped. And I thought, oh, no, I've had, there's no baby in there. I couldn't even bring myself yeah. to look at the screen because I thought I miscarried again because I was still bleeding at this point. And, like, no one was doing anything. I was kind of looking at Josh, and he was kind of looking at me with, like, if his face screwed up. And I looked at the screen, and, like, I saw it as well. There was full-blown twins. And I started screaming, like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, twins, what the hell? It was, I was screaming and I know people would have been hearing me thinking I was crazy but I think just going from one skin seeing one visible baby just to seeing two I was just in so much shock that's all I can yeah. say is just shock 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 <laughs> yeah and yeah and then so we saw this twins and there was also like a visible sack that looked like there had been a baby and it looked a lot smaller but it was it was already gone like the heartbeat had stopped so we were sent for another scan, like a specialized scan, just to see, you know, if it was going to be absorbed sort of thing, you know, just have a look around it. And as soon as we got to the next scan and they put the the screen came up, you could just see triplets. We were like, I remember just looking at Josh and he was just looking <laughs> at me, just like, just, just ears, I mean, sorry, eyes wide open, just like, what is happening? Is another baby? Yeah. And yeah. I think an hour went by and we were just like, oh my goodness, we're having triplets. We've gone from one to two to three. It was crazy. And at the end of the scan, I said to the lady, "Is there, are they all healthy? Do they have all heartbeats? And she said, all four have heartbeats. And I was just like, everyone knows my reaction. I've shared it. We're just holy bleeping <laughs> bleep. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I was screaming once again. I was just like, I just didn't believe People could have four babies. I know, yeah. you know, people have twins and triplets, but I just didn't think four was possible, especially not having IVF. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, no words. Yeah. <laughs> and so after that sort of initial shock, how did you take that home and sort of deal with that and process that as a as a family? Yeah, well, I was still in hospital for a long time. I know that I remember the hospital, it was kind of good because it made my adrenaline start going. So it started actually make me feel better because I was just thinking about, oh my goodness, I'm having four babies instead of, oh my goodness, I feel so miserable. It was still weird. Like we were still thinking like, do we tell people? What do we do? It was, yeah, it's kind of surreal. I just, just so weird. Like thinking, is this actually happening? Still, we were so scared. Like I was still being treated for a threat of miscarriage and the doctor said, you know, because your history, you never had the surgery to, you know, fix your uterus. Don't get too ahead of yourself. Don't get too excited. He was pretty honest with yeah. us, and which I do appreciate. So it was really hard. Like, we were kind of excited, like, but we were still terrified and so scared. And right up until that 12-week me- tweak- 12 mark, even though 12 weeks hitting that mark with quads is – um. There's still like really no safe zone, but still hitting that 12 meet mark, getting up there was basically until we got there, we were, we just couldn't let ourselves get too excited. It was, yeah, I yeah. can't really explain it. Yeah. 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 So many emotions. And we would, we would go from excited to scared, excited to scared. And were you able to go home? How, how 
far along were you when you able to go home? I don't actually remember, but there wouldn't have been that many weeks before I hit 12 weeks. But I ended up yeah. going to work as soon as I got out of hospital because, you know, um, I just had to get back to life. I had to keep passing the time. Otherwise, I was going to be thinking about, you know, losing these babies or. Yeah. I just had to keep myself busy, really. Um, as soon as they found out I was having the quads, basically, Tamaru said, we can't see you. <laughs> we can't do anything for you. <laughs> you have to start your care up in Christchurch. Yeah. So that started every so often we would head up to Christchurch for our scans and appointments to see the obstetricians up there. Yeah. yeah. And, and what was their advice to you? Sort of what were the doctors saying and how how were they feeling about how long they thought you might be able to go to with the quads before you needed to give birth to them? Yeah. So I hit 12 weeks before I went up to Christchurch. Oh, no, sorry. I might have been 11 weeks. And I before I first went up to Christchurch and like I said, up until that point, we were so scared, but we wanted to be excited. We just wanted to hit 12 weeks to, you know, kind of move past that stage. Yeah. But, and we thought we were at that stage, but as soon as we got to hospital and we had a scan and the scan went great. The people who did it were like, you know, you have four healthy looking babies. Nothing looks like it's going wrong. They're all growing well. They're all the same size. So we left that scan feeling great. We were so excited. But as soon as we went to see the obstetrician, unfortunately, she just wasn't on the same page. She, in a nutshell, basically told us to reduce the pregnancy. And I just remember being, I'm going to get upset talking about it, but just being so upset, just being yeah. told to, um, we, she did tell us to, you know, you need, unless you reduce this pregnancy, you know, the, tw- the babies are going to have disabilities. They're going to be sick. They might die. She just gave us every single reason not to have the quads, and it was so hard to take yeah. on board. You know, we finally got to this point just to be like shut down again, and yeah, yeah, it was really hard. And I remember we left Christchurch, and we were so upset. I obviously I still get upset thinking about it, but um, it was yeah, really hard. Yeah. We um we were given two weeks to make our decision, and we understood like doing our own research why. They suggested that we reduce the pregnancy because, you know, of everything that could happen. And we've always been honest that we did consider it for a second as well because at the end of the day, we wanted healthy babies. We wanted another baby and we wanted yeah, healthy course. babies. And, yeah. you know, we did have a look into it, but we've got to a point where it's like, we can't do it. We've worked so hard to get to this point. Why would we do that? So, um, yeah, we went back. The option was, because I had the... Un- the sack of identical girls and the sack, I read another sexes at that point, and then the sack, the single, two singletons, they wanted us to reduce the identical twins also because of the way their placenta sat inside the uterus and everything. They just said, but they also said, yeah, if I went along with the pregnancy, those two are going to cause me a lot of trouble. Just yeah. the way they sat, you know, well, the way they attached and all that sort of thing. So those two weeks were terrible. We would keep keep going back and forward and it was really hard on us but yeah we ended up going back up to Christchurch and we we asked not to see the same obstetrician we saw that first time because we just yeah it wasn't good and we saw the next one and again the scan went perfect they said everything's going fine they're going great blood flow everything's fine and the obstetricians we saw said you've got four healthy babies why not why would you consider something else so that really cemented it for yeah. us that we we're doing the right thing because we felt like the first obstetrician said you're not doing the right thing so to yeah. see that second yeah. one was a relief and then from then forward it was all happy feelings basically <laughs> yeah oh, amazing and probably sounds like a really good decision to ask to see someone else and, and a completely different experience for you both yeah definitely it really, yeah, changed the yeah. whole tone, the mood, the setting, everything. It was, it was, yeah, it was good. Yeah. And so how do you go about preparing or trying to prepare for having four newborn babies in your house? And what were the sort of next steps that you had to take for that? Yeah. So they still see, you know, everything at this point was going well, but still don't get too far ahead of yourself because, you know, we'll get hit with a lot of all the expectations stuff. And although the babies are looking healthy at that stage, Getting through a quad pregnancy is really hard. And because I had a history of miscarriage, it was not on my side. So yep. they were saying that I was 14 weeks at that stage and 
I had to make it to at least 25 to, for the babies to be viable. I, um, they said, they basically said, don't buy any baby items still. Don't get too ahead of yourself, but still try and, you know, sort things out. So immediately the first thing we did was sell our house because we lived in a tiny three bedroom house and that obviously was not going to work. It wouldn't even work for twins. So yeah, that was the first thing we did. And we were fortunate enough at the time that we could move in with Josh's parents. So we could, you know, that worked for us. And I'm not for those between 40 and 20, sorry, 14 weeks and 25 weeks. We didn't do a lot except, um, we just went off their advice and didn't do a lot instead of go about life normally. And the only really thing we did was sell the house. And so they said to me, they said to me, if you make it to 25 weeks, you will move up to the Ronald McDonald house, which is next to the hospital in Christchurch. And then you'll be under constant care. There's no point coming to Christchurch any sooner because if they were born, they wouldn't survive. And yeah, it was really hard. So in between that time of going into 25 weeks, it was like we still, we were told to carry on as normal and we did as much as we could, but just having all these emotions and thinking about that, it was really hard. We didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know if we were going to leave the hospital with one baby or two babies. It was it was hard just not knowing what was going to happen. And yeah, yeah. up until that point, still, we had luck in ourselves with the scans, like everything. We never had any issues with the babies. They were always fine. It was only me who really struggled with, obviously, my body trying to adapt to caring for babies. The babies never had any issues, which was... For a quad pregnancy, I know how lucky we were. I know single pregnancies don't always aren't always like that. So to go through that recently yeah. with the babies unscathed was really fortunate for me. And that I don't know how I would have been able to handle it if, you know, something was going wrong. You know, even just like blood flow, that sort of thing. Yeah. Like, um, I can't remember what it was called. Um, I was, I was on high alert for oh, twin transfusion syndrome. So I was scanned oh, yes, every yeah. week for that sort of thing. And then every couple of days in the end just to check that everything was yeah. still going well with them. Yeah. And so you, did you make it to 25 weeks and move up to the Ronald McDonald house? Is that what happened? Yeah. There? So time yeah. flew by and I hit 25 weeks and I yeah. got to a point in, because we still were so, we didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't want to go up to Christchurch. I was trying everything in my power to stay in Tamaru and it was just, I did not want to leave. I was so nervous of, you know, making that next move I was it was scary so we obviously ended up going and by that point my body was struggling and I was miserable I would cry all day every day I was it was hard caring for babies just everything about it wasn't nice I'm trying to think of examples (laughs) obviously you know swollen ankles everything it was hard and yeah I made it to, I got to about 27 and a half weeks and still everything was going great with the babies. I was just still miserable and my body really starting was to give out, like my hips were starting to give out everything. And then I had got to 27 and a half weeks and it's the first time that I thought, oh, I might be in labor. But I think it was just Braxton Hicks in the end. They just went and checked me out and they still said no. Babies are great. And I got to 28 weeks and three days and still everything was just fine. I think I had a scan that morning. I had steroid shots, which is normal for anyone who's expected to have an early labor because it helps enhance the developments of the lungs and things. And I yeah. it was my second steroid shot. And that night, I know from my first one that I was not going to sleep. I just had every single reaction to the shots you could have. And it just made me, I couldn't sleep for days after those shots. So I kind of got into bed that night and I set myself up with Netflix, snacks, chocolate, everything. Josh <laughs> and Brooklyn had gone to bed and I was trying to watch Netflix, but I was just so uncomfortable. I just couldn't get comfortable in bed. And I was just kind of, I ended up just shutting off the iPad and just laying there. And just being like, oh, my tummy is so uncomfortable. So I kind of just looked at it and I was like, hang on, that's a baby. I could see my stomach was contracting and I could see where each of the babies were in my stomach. 
And I don't know why, but I never took a photo, but it was quite cool to see that every time yeah. I contracted, you could see where the babies were in my stomach. It just, it was quite cool to see. And yeah, I was still in disbelief because when I had time to think about it, I realized that this was happening every minute and lasting for 30 seconds. And, but I was in absolutely no pain. I could just see my stomach contracting. So I was still in denial. I didn't want to start ringing people and like, you know, seemed like I was overreacting or something because it was late at night by this point. I think it was like 10 o'clock or 10.30 or something. So yeah. I sat there for about an hour making sure that I thought that I was in labor, timing my contractions. And I got to 11.30, I woke up Josh and I was like, I think I'm in labor. And he kind of just shot up how the bed. He's saying, ring the midwife, like running around the room trying to get everything <laughs> organized. And... um. I rang my midwife and even I was like, I kind of think I'm in labor, kind of think I've done, I really don't know. And I felt really sorry for her because I know I'd have woken her up. She's like, oh, you better just, you know, get into hospital. You don't want to be, you know, want to be safe and sorry. So we ended up, she said, I'll meet you in hospital. And then that was that. And unfortunately, the person we had organized to look after Brooklyn at the Ronald McDonald house wasn't answering their phone. So we had to call Josh's nana to come look after Brooklyn and she has lived in Christchurch for years and years and years, but she got lost on the way to the hospital. So time oh, was no. ticking and she finally got there. And then we realized that there were no wheelchairs for me to get to the hospital. So I had to walk to the hospital, which isn't even that far, but when you're heavily pregnant with quadruplets and contracting every yeah. minute, it <laughs> took forever. The hospital rang me and they said, where are you? And I said, I'm coming. But I finally got there. And as soon as, you know, they started doing their checks and things. They said, yep, this is definitely happening. You're in labor. And it got to a point and they said, basically, call everyone who's involved. This is happening soon. So we were really lucky that there was a lot of preparation in anticipation of the quads being born. They had each baby had a consultant, a doctor, I think another doctor and a couple nurses each. So that was yeah. five pieces and five people per baby and that was just the babies and then there was all the doctors that were with me the anesthesiists just everyone so there were so many people it had to be split over two theaters so two babies and half oh, wow. the team of people were in one room whereas I and two babies were in another room and so they yeah. said call everyone get everyone together and I was actually really surprised how soon everyone turned up like I thought I had a bit of time to you know think all right this is happening but it just happened so fast we didn't have a really second to think this is you know we're gonna have quads soon and then you know half an hour yeah. or so it, it it happened so fast and I remember as soon as they said this is happening I just started bawling my eyes out because I you know I, was, I tried to prepare myself but nothing could have prepared me for it yeah of course <laughs> Yeah, and um, so the whole team got there and I was taken into the room and there was just people everywhere. I know they warned me and there's usually a lot of people for one C-section, but when I walked in the room, that room was full of people and it was so overwhelming for me because I know everyone was expecting me to come and have these quadruplets. You know, all eyes were on me and it was really hard. I was so scared and I was it was really overwhelming, so that did not help. And they yeah. started to try and put the... um the epidural in, but it wouldn't go in. They had to try like five times and oh, I was screaming no. <laughs> in pain. I wasn't in pain because I still wasn't, I still never had any pain for my contractions, but I was screaming from the epidural and I know Josh was, because he couldn't come into the room until it was in. And all he could hear was just me screaming in theater, not knowing what was happening. Like he's like, he thought I was having the mm. baby. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> That was bad. And as soon as they put it in and I laid down, I started going like in and out of consciousness. It was bad. I remember just looking at one nurse and she was yelling at the doctors behind me. She's dropping. She's dropping. Someone needs to do something about it. But, um, I just think all the medication just hit me and I was just, my body was just struggling to deal with everything on top of like yeah. all the emotions, everything going through me of what was happening. It wasn't a good experience for Brooklyn. The C-section was so easy breezy, fine. I had no issues. Like I said, I didn't know they'd even yeah. cut into me by the time he was born, but this was this was hard. And then before they had even cut it open, I was 
was trying to, my body was trying to vomit because I, but I was numb from the shoulders down. I couldn't do anything but mm. turn my head to the side and try and let my body just naturally bring it up. And just yeah. even the thought of that now, having my stomach cut open, trying to vomit is just, oh, it's yeah. not nice to think about. But yeah, so that had kind of settled. I was still not well. I was going in and out. I know people were trying to talk to me, but I was just barely conscious. And I remember they said, we've got the first baby out and I didn't hear it cry. And I was just, I, you know, I started crying. I was like, oh my goodness, the baby's not crying. This isn't good. But they yeah. they tried to reassure me, you know, their lungs are so little. They can't, they will be crumped. You just can't hear them. And Quinn was born first and within four minutes, all babies were born. Just still, I know people working on me trying to put me back together and sort me out. But I remember just kind of looking around. Quinn and Hudson were left in my room and Molly and Indy were taken to the second room. and. Josh was going back and forwards. He was allowed to to see the babies and cut their cords or whatnot. And um, I was trying to kind of look around and see what was going on, but it was really hard. I couldn't really function at that time. And I know they were trying to update me, but, you know, when you have four babies born that early, it was was really tense. It was – they didn't know what was happening. And it was – it was – yeah – it was, yeah, like I said, tense and people were updating me as saying, you know, this baby's doing that, this baby's doing wow, this baby needs a little bit more work. And then they said, we're just going to put them in plastic bags. And I was like, why are you putting them in plastic bags? All I could imagine was <laughs> supermarket bags. But they were yeah. like, no, no, this is, you know, hospital grade bags. This is okay. This is what we do. Yeah. And then my body kind of went into shock. I started, you know, shivering and whatnot. It was, and I was still vomiting. I think I was taken out by the time before the babies had been finished working on casino. They did it intubating because they had to be stable enough to leave theatre and go up to NICU. And I had left yep. the theatre room before the babies, I think. I'm not 100% sure. At least a couple were left there. And the next few hours for me was basically trying to recover because it really hit me hard. And I, I obviously knew what was going on, but I think I was like borderline delirious at that stage as well because it was hard. And um, yeah, people keep sending me updates, but still, like, obviously I wanted to be present in the moment, but I wasn't there yet. So yeah, until yeah. I was fully recovered, it was really hard to me, like kind of grasp what was happening in my mind, that the quads were actually born but we were getting filtered bits and pieces like this baby's doing all right. This baby needed a bit more work. And so once you were sort of in your room and given a bit of a chance to recover and you started to feel a bit more like yourself again, what was the next steps from there? Yeah. So once I finally, I didn't let myself go until like I was kind of like sitting up at least, but I still wasn't probably right in the mindset to go and I still regret this to this day but I went up to NICU they wheeled me in a a bed because I still wasn't ready for a wheelchair and they wheeled me around each baby's I think this was like five o'clock well must have been six o'clock in the morning so it was still dark all the lights are dim and they're wheeling me around each of the babies and I was still not really there and I wish I had waited a couple more hours just to be you know really present in the moment understanding what was happening, taking on the information they were telling me. Yeah. So still, yeah. I still hadn't got to a good place yet. And it was really hard seeing the babies all covered in their masks and tubes and wires. Yeah. That they really were covered and it was hard. So um, I ended up going back to my room for, I think, almost not the whole day. but So I got back to my room maybe about like seven and I stayed. I didn't go back up until about that afternoon. I really wanted to make sure that I was going to be there taking on the information and things. Obviously, I still recovered from the C-section. This was next level Brooklyn's. It's hard, you know, to move up to C-section, but because my uterus was so stretched and everything was going on, I was struggling to move. Yeah. Which was hard. And um, we got to NICU and... I'm not sure how many beds are in NICU, but in the Christchurch Road, it's quite a long, narrow room. And I had one baby at one end, two in the middle, and one at another end. And that was a really hard thing to us to adjust to, that we had four babies basically spread throughout the first intensive care room. So I would go, I'm not even sure which baby I met first, but I would try and, you know, divvy up my time between each baby. Yeah. 
yeah. and get to meet them. And we realized that Molly was born and she was the biggest. She had laid on top of the babies my whole pregnancy, so she had this optimal room to grow. And she was born with this thick, thick black hair, and it was so adorable, and she was so big. <laughs> oh, that's another thing. So the babies were all born, I think it was the average baby born at 28 weeks is 900 grams, but the littlest was Indy, and she was born at 1,100 grams, and Molly was 1,300 oh, wow. grams. So yeah. they were huge, and they said that that helped them immensely. Because basically yeah. they had really no issues. They were born and they were there for basically breathing, growing and eating. Yeah, just seeing each of the babies. It was kind of weird though because the only baby we could tell apart from the others was Molly because she had this big, this thick black hair. But we couldn't even tell Hudson apart from the girls because they all just looked little. And we always referred to them as like little yeah. aliens because they, they looked like little babies, but they didn't. They had like, yeah. you know, these prim heads. It was quite different to see because I, I don't think I really had seen a prem baby before, especially yeah, yeah. fresh prem baby born in an incubator. It was a lot yeah. to take in. Even just being in the whole NICU yeah. setting, it was a lot. Dealing with all the alarms yeah. and, yeah, hearing, you know, what what stage each baby was at, how they were going. It was a lot. Those first few days were hard. And it took a lot to getting used to. I don't even think I still got used to it by the end, but yeah. 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 And so how do you sort of process that while you're also trying to recover from a really serious C-section? And, and did you tell Brooklyn? How did he sort of take it? Yeah. So it was, like I said, I, I just keep saying it was hard because it was hard. Nothing can prepare you for it. And it just like, I was mean, like physically so sore, mentally still, like my mind was just going round in circles. Yeah. Um, yeah. I took, yeah, it was just hard. Like I said again, yeah. um, one yeah. thing we wanted to do was me and Josh wanted to spend the day, you know, getting used to it. We were really lucky with that family support there that they came and took Brooklyn. I was sore Brooklyn, but I don't think we let anyone. We wanted Brooklyn to be the first one to meet the babies, and we didn't, don't think we introduced them till the next day because we knew it was a lot for him to take on as well. So, yeah. you know, we told him, you know, the baby brothers and sisters are born. He was three and a half, and he did for like to a point know the extent what was going on, but obviously for a three and a half year old, yeah. you don't really know what's going on. But he <laughs> knew that he was having three sisters and one brother, and we took him into Nicker and. You know, we expect because he's so, there was so much. He wanted this baby brother so much, and there was a lot of hype for it. And we took him into Nico and we showed him Hudson first, but he was terrified because of all the machines yeah. and the incubator and all the masks on the face. He's just like, I don't even want to be here. It was we were we obviously it makes so much sense now, but we were it was quite hard to take on the point that he just didn't even want to be there. Yeah. He wasn't interested. But then again, he was a three and a half year old. So yeah. <laughs> what could we expect? Yeah. And so how long did the babies end up spending in the NICU? So all up, they were in Christchurch NICU. I think it was for 10 weeks. Molly, she kind of blasted through everything. She was only on CPAP for, I think, two weeks, which was nothing compared to what some babies go through. She just... Yeah. um. She was the biggest and strongest and met all the milestones first, whereas Indy was the least progressive. She was the last to come off breathing gears, and that was their condition to go down to Timaru Hospital, was that they had to be off all breathing gears for them to move on. And so those 10 weeks, basically, it went, 10 week, it went so fast. Basically, yeah. we had our own wee system. Is that, I don't know, Josh and I... Either Josh and I would go in the morning, one of us would stay back, Brooklyn would swap, would swap again. And that time it was really hard and emotionally upsetting because I wanted to be in the hospital with the babies, and I, but I also wanted to be back with Brooklyn. I didn't want to, you know, yeah, keep harming them off to people just so I could be in the hospital. We were so, you know, me and Josh made a promise that we wouldn't, like still Brooklyn didn't come first, but he got the most of our attention and, so I would be Bill Brooklyn, but then I'd go to Tanika and I think the hardest time, one of the hardest things for me was spending my time with each baby because at one point 
three of them, they were split into three different rooms. Like I think the girls were in the top intensive care room. Hudson was in the second one and Molly was way off because she was leaving them in the dust. So she was in way down in <laughs> yeah. another room. And I think if you have one baby in NICU, you can just kind of go sit there with one baby and then that's your day. But I was trying to split my time between four babies. So yeah. I was so ready to leave Tim, um, Christchurch NICU. I really loved all the staff, the nurses, the doctors, everything. It was great, but I was so ready to leave that behind and just have the babies all together and near home. Once we were finally given the news, I was so happy. Yeah, and so you were able to go sort of head home. Did you have to go to the Timaru Hospital or you were? All babies had come off breathing gears, but they still were all on monitors because they still hadn't outgrown all their, you know, the events that they were having, the brachycardias yeah. and whatnot. But, um, oh, I still can't quite remember what else. There was monitors. I think they were on some type of medicine that they still had to be in hospital for. Yeah. Something else, but I don't remember. Oh, there was something anyway. <laughs> but, you know, it's okay. to reach for these things. Um, yeah. But the big one was off, be off monitors and be stable off monitors, really. And... I don't remember also how long we spent in Timaru Hospital. It must have been we got to a point where well, it was always a race. It wasn't a race, but me and Joshua were like, who's the first baby going to be ready to come home? Who's it going <laughs> to be? And, oh, sorry, that was it. It was feeding. So yeah, they got Timaru Hospital and they started trying to learn to feed. And Hudson took a bottle and he never, ever tube fed again. He was just like ready to go. He was a boy and just was guzzling down these bottles. <laughs> Molly, she started to feed, but she's, it was evident that she had reflux, so she would feed, but um, she would throw it straight back up. Quinn was good, but Indy took the longest to really get the heat of it. She, I think she started feeding, trying to feed a week after the others just because she came off, only just come off breathing gears and just needed a bit more time to get used to baby, try and breathe by herself, basically. And, um, yeah, because she was still having, you know, the, a few events here and there. So it came evident that Hudson was going to be, he was ready to come home. And the doctor said to us, do you want to take him or do you want to leave him? And first me and Josh said, yeah, we want to take him. Like we, this was 12, they were 12 weeks old, three months. And we were by far ready to take a baby home. But they said to us, you know, why don't you leave them all in hospital? Because if you take one baby, all your focus is going to be on him. You're going to start, you know, being tired and it's going to be really hard for you to come back up to the yeah. hospital with the other babies. So we were like, oh, that's obviously to make so much sense. So we left Hudson there and I think another week went by and then in that next week, Indy and Quinn were ready to come home. So three were ready and still we stuck to it and said, no, we're not going to split them up. But all of a sudden, I think they said, right, all the babies can go home on Friday. Molly was getting ready, so they said, you know, baby's coming home Friday, get ready. And Wednesday came by, and all of a sudden Molly just refused to take the bottle anymore. She just stopped feeding. And we thought maybe, oh, she was just having a bad day. But the whole next day she refused to feed as well. So the doctor said, you know, Molly's not ready to come home. Sorry, the babies aren't coming home. But um, we ended up saying, you know, we were so desperate by that point. We ended up taking. Yeah, of course. We decided that it was best that we left Molly's twin with her. So Hudson stayed with Molly in hospital to keep her company because we didn't want to leave Molly by herself and took Indian Quinn home. And up until that point, I was terrified. Like I was, I was exhausted by the t- before they even came home because I was staying up really late at nights, like almost in tears, being so worried about how hard it was going to be. One of the decisions of us, you know, going forward with the pregnancy was, you know, could we do this? And I knew that it was always going to be hard, but I um, I was just still scared. Like, I would never have done this if I didn't think I could do it, but I was, you know, scared. Yeah. Because it hasn't happened yet, and we had so many weeks, you know, build up this. Yeah. This is what was going to happen. I was terrified, but I even, we kind of went back and forth in our decision. Like, we said, yeah, we'll take Indian Quinn home, and then we're kind of like, oh, no, we'll keep them in with them. Because, you know, there was that scared factor behind us. And then we said, no, we'll take them home. No, we won't. And then we ended up saying, no, we'll take them home. That's it. And we brought them home. And I know twin mums might curse me, but 
it was a dream. It was like they were <laughs> yeah. awesome. They slept well at night. Obviously, they got up to feed, but I had nothing to be worried about. We keep saying, oh, twins is easy. Like we yeah. we just managed to come up with a system between us that works so well that I had nothing to be worried about. And I think we were really lucky in that sense that they came home in like a ret- relatively good routine and knew what was up basically. And we did this then had to wait for Molly to be ready to come home. But it got to a point where Hudson, he had a hernia. One day I was changing his nappy in the hospital and it looked, he just had like a bulge in his groin. And I said to the doctors, oh, have a look at this. And they said he needs surgery. So he was booked into surgery the next week in Christchurch Hospital. The doctor said it so casually and I was so annoyed because I was like, wait, he's to have surgery in Christchurch. We have we now have five kids, four of them babies, and you yeah. want us to travel up two hours to Christchurch to have surgery for a baby. Like, it's not that easy for us. So we left Hudson into the, in hospital with Molly up until it was ready. We ended up all taking going up there, but we had to leave Molly behind because she just wasn't ready to leave hospital yet. And it was really hard, but, you know, Josh and I thought maybe one of us stayed, but we really wanted to both be there for Hudson for a surgery. Yeah. Yeah. So went to Christchurch, had a surgery. He was a trooper, went fantastic. He was fine. And we came home and the day we got home, the doctor said Molly can come home. So it was really, this really big moment, really crazy. Finally, Hudson just had this big surgery and they said the last baby can come home. So it was kind of weird. We went and picked up Molly and we came home. We're like, well, that's it. What do we do now? (laughs) It was really it's just a really weird feeling that we've finally gone through all this and we had all babies home. Yeah. Yeah. And how did how did Brooklyn go with the adjustment to having finally all four of his little <laughs> siblings at home? <laughs> it was actually really funny because the first night the Indian Queen came home, I know I said it was like a dream, but there was I think it was like the first night they came home and there was about an hour and they think they cried for a full on hour and Brooklyn came up to me and said, Mum, I'm not sure if I want to be a big brother anymore. Because he, he obviously just wasn't used to having, yeah. you know, these crying babies around. And it, it actually, he, I've always said Brooklyn is such a sensitive soul because because the babies are so upset. He got, there's an element of him being upset as well. And yeah. it was a lot for obviously a three-year-old to get used to, obviously being an only child for so long, but then having these, not just one baby, but four, especially yeah. if they cried all at the same time, upset babies, you could just seem just a bit lost, like, what is happening? What do I do? But for the most part, Josh and I have always said we were so proud of him because he's done so well. He's so caring. He's so kind. Obviously, he's a typical, he's a four-year-old now. He's typical four-year-old and has his moments. But for the most part, he's really good. I say, oh, Brooklyn, can you get me a nappy? And he he calls it his big brother job, goes and gets (laughs) me a nappy or whatnot. And he just did so well. He did better than we could have ever imagined. Yeah, amazing. What a good little dude he is. Yeah, we're really lucky. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, very cool. And one of the sort of questions that I think lots of people always ask is, how do you do it? And I always see you replying to comments on Instagram and you just say, you know, like, I don't have a choice. This is just our, this is our life and we deal with it. But what sort of strategies do you have in place or routines that you try to stick to that make a little bit um, easier or more manageable for you? Yeah. So I think that's the biggest question we get asked the most is like, how do you do that? It's like, it just seems crazy to me, I think. But I think from the outside looking in, if I was on that side of two, I would look at someone having quads and I think, you're crazy. That's just, you can't even do that. It's not <laughs> even possible. But like I tell everyone, it's just, we don't have a choice. Like we chose to do this and you just kind of adapt to it. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, it's our life now. It just seems so normal that we've got four babies. Sometimes I look at them and think, oh my goodness, there's four babies. How did this happen? But, <laughs> yeah. you know, we've got four babies and that's what we do. We, um, me and Josh work really well together. We, like I said, we came up with a really good system that worked for us both. We also have an amazing friend and family support. We have a great nanny. So we're able to, you know, Brooklyn's, you know, we want to take Brooklyn out for the day and give them, you know, have a good day. We just bring someone and they say, yep. And then we kind of get a team together and everyone, we have to kind of tell people, no, you can't come around because there's just so many people that wanted to come and to help us all yeah, the time. Yeah. So we're really lucky on that front. I think we've got really good babies as well. Obviously, they have their days when they, everything doesn't go smoothly, but they have made it easy for us, I think. I know that must sound crazy to some people, but 
they're great. And um, we've just recently brought in a routine, which I don't know actually how I managed to do life beforehand because this is, I'm quite strict on it. So they, you know, have nap times at the same time every day and they have the bottle at the same time every day. So now I have gaps in the day where I can actually like, you know, I can have a shower now, then, or eat then. I have time to stop and do things, whereas a lot of the time it was quite sporadic. But obviously we coped fine. Yeah, having this routine has been, it's been a game changer. It's been really good. And they've adapted really well to it as well, which has been good. Awesome. And are they sleeping in the same room? Do they wake each other up throughout the night? Yeah, so I think in the last week we've just split Indian Quinn into the other room and Hudson and Molly have remained in the big room by themselves just because they were waking each other up. Before we started the routine, they were pretty good. The only one that was hard to get to sleep was Molly because I think she's had so much more special attention because, you know, she got really sick after she was discharged from hospital and she's still yeah. recovering from that. So, and she's had her issues of feeding still and whatnot. Um, the other three were really good. Um, once we brought in the routine, they had once they while they're still adapting to that, they have been harder to get to sleep and were waking each other up. So we've just split them up into two rooms. Yeah, which is still going well. They had, I think, they had to be split up eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Four four kids in one room would be one a, room, um, yeah. a lot. awesome and did you have anything else that you wanted to share or that you often get asked that you wanted to add into the podcast I know people always ask me about Molly and how she's going especially after she got really sick Molly had been discharged from hospital just under two weeks and Hudson had been in hospital himself actually because he had bronchiolitis and I never really shared that on my pages I don't know why I just never did and he was in hospital for a couple nights. And the day he came from home, home from hospital, Molly went into hospital. And when she went in, she wasn't bad. She was nowhere as, not as bad as what Hudson was actually. But I could tell that she was getting to that point where she was going to need help because her nostrils were flaring yeah. and she was very rattly and wheezy. And Brooklyn was an asthma baby. So I just, I just knew that obviously the signs of, you know, what needed hospital attention. So she went in and she went in quite late at night, actually. And I think by four o'clock the next morning, she was on oxygen. And Josh had stayed with her that night and he came home about nine o'clock and I got back to the hospital about 10. And in that time, Molly had really deteriorated and she needed more, a different type of oxygen to keep her going. So in the time of them changing over the oxygens, I was holding her and I, this is probably one of the most distressing moments of my life. She turned, they'd taken off the oxygen and p- tried to put another one on. But in the t- between time, she turned purple and was struggling mm. to breathe. And I could just see it on the nurse's face, the doctor's face, that it wasn't good. And they left the room, they came back and they said, like, she's really sick. She needs to go to a different hospital. Like, this is all we can do for her. Yeah. And the day was crazy. Like... There was a lot of back and forwards. They ended up saying, the first said, she's going to Christchurch Hospital. Like, that's where she needs to be. But then they came back and said, you know, Christchurch can't have her. She needs to go to Starship. You know, while all this was going on, obviously we wanted the best care for Molly, but all I could think was, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do with the other four children at home, three of them babies? Yeah, it was a really hard day because they keep saying, oh, she's going to Christchurch. No, now she's going to Auckland. Now she's going to Christchurch. Now she's going to Auckland. And still in this time, Molly just looked so sick. She was getting tubes put into her chest to try and get the air out of her lungs. And there was a lot of, between the hospital and nurses, unfortunately, there was a lot of miscommunications. And it was really distressing for Josh and I. There was a point where I just had to leave the hospital because I was so upset by the way we were being treated and talked to. And it was really hard because our focus should have been on Molly, but we ended up getting really angry at the nurses because of just stuff that had happened. And um, yeah, Molly ended up getting helicoptered up to, they flew down a team from Christchurch to stabilize Molly and she was getting helicoptered up to Christchurch Hospital. And we got there and the doctor said, you know, she's really sick. She looked like she, you know, basically Timaru Hospital, if they didn't do what, she, what they did, she would have died because her lung had fully collapsed. And we didn't know yeah. until Christchurch like the extent of how sick she really was and they thought that she was going to die, which is 
so scary to think about. But, um, yeah, I think the next week was really crazy. She recovered just, she, sorry, she recovered just as fast as she went down. Just that week was so surreal. She was so sick. And then all of a sudden she was, she's never been fine, 100% fine again, but she recovered really well from that. But to this yeah. day, she still has like her issues. Like once a week, she will flare up with wheeziness and whatnot. But um, it's also affected her feeding. Everyone always asks about her feeding because she's, she's visibly so much smaller than the other three. She really, yeah. which is also crazy to us because. For 10 weeks, Molly was the biggest and did the best, but then also yeah. when it came to feeding, she yeah. completely slowed down. And when everyone comes, if anyone ever sees them, they say, oh, wow, Molly really is tiny compared to the other three. So, yeah, that's been a weird thing for us is having this strong, healthy baby gone to like the weakest, you know, the weak link of the four. Yeah, yeah. But it's probably in the last two weeks, she's a completely different baby. She's still like, she, I think she's a bit wheezy today, but... Her feeding is, I think she's feeding more than Hudson and that's saying something. She's just all one day being like, I'm sick of being that baby. She's moved on. <laughs> yeah. It's a huge relief to us because there are a few weeks where she didn't gain any weight and um do anything. So, yeah, it's yeah. nice to be finally moving forward because, you know, we thought when we were, the babies were discharged from hospital that we were moving forward, but we haven't actually been able to because we just keep going back to hospital yeah. with yeah. a problem or something. But I think we're finally moving forward now, which is such a great feeling. Yeah. Oh, amazing. And I'm sure it will only get better from here. So yeah, I'm sure awesome. it will. Well, thank you so much, Kendall, for joining me on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. And the story is um, one that so many people have asked me for. So I think <laughs> I'll get it on the podcast as soon as I can. But thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. It's fine. Anytime you want me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear your feedback, so either leave a review on the podcast app that you're listening on or head to our Instagram at KiwiBirthTales and leave a comment there. If you're interested in sharing your birth tale, then please head to the Instagram page and use the email link to get in touch. Thanks again for listening. I really look forward to sharing the next episode with you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.